0: All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Refining Politics and Culture. Today, I have the absolute honor of sitting with a woman who has inspired thousands of people, not just here in San Diego, but around the country as well. She's inspired them to stand up for the health and well-being of the next generation, uh, which is truly one of the most noble fights we can fight. She's also the founder of the organization's Let Them Breathe and Let Them Choose, and I'm really glad to have her on the podcast today. A good friend, Sharon McKeeman, welcome. Welcome.
1: Thanks so much. I'm
0: excited to be here. Yeah, it's an honor to have you here. So I want to jump right in. Would love to hear who are you? Tell us about yourself. And then I would love for you to also just give an intro. We'll get into it more. But what is Let Them Breathe and Let Them Choose all about? What's what's this movement you've created about?
1: Awesome. Well, I... Have four kiddos, so being a mom of four is is the most important thing about me. um my my husband is in the military, so he's been serving his country for a couple decades now. and uh, I've been out here in California for over a decade. so this is, My kids grew up around the ocean. This is what they know and love. And and that's why we're staying and we're advocating instead of fleeing the state. (laughs) Um, And then uh, I was part of the, well, first of all, I have a background in education. Um, I have a degree in art ed. I taught in the public school system. I also then, um, my kids were in a charter school uh, for quite some time. And so they had traditional in-class days, but they also had some homeschool days. So I learned about homeschooling and then I've also owned an online school for adults. So I've I've been involved in kind of every aspect of education I've served in, um, uh, you know, while I was going through uh, my getting my teaching credentials, I served in, uh, you know, different settings, I I worked at the Indiana School uh, for the Blind, I um, served in after school program for for kids that were at risk. Um, So really have a broad uh, range when it comes to my education background. So when the schools closed, uh, I knew that was not a good thing. (laughs) Uh, Although there are many parents that have no educational credentials that also knew it wasn't a good thing. So I was uh, at the forefront of the school reopening movement. And I was part of the lawsuit uh, that was successful uh, to reopen our schools. And as soon as uh, schools were back, that was a, a big step forward. But I could see our kids weren't back to an effective uh, education because of the forced masking. So I found it Let Them Breathe. Uh, We're not anti-anything. We're for choice. Uh, So we're not against masks. People should have the opportunity to to choose what to put on and in their body. So we um, have been advocating for mask choice. We filed a uh, lawsuit against the state of California, against their mask mandate. And uh, we have, I mean, we've grown so quickly. We've got over 20 to 30,000 parents involved on each of our platforms. And we're, we're pretty much on every platform, uh, you know, that there is on social media. And uh, so it's it's really a big movement. And then of course, since we're for choice, we've now launched the Let Them Choose initiative uh, because we believe families should be able to make that choice about their own, you know, their own personal medical decisions when it comes to this very new vaccine, uh, that, you know, um, oh shoot, are you gonna put this on YouTube? Oh, (laughs) yeah, you're good. No, no, no. (laughs) You you got it. Say,
0: say, say the vaccine. All right. right.
1: So, yeah. So, so we're advocating for choice, um, you know, against these uh, COVID uh, vaccine mandates for students as well.
0: Amazing. Yeah, we. We're just going to let it loose on, on this podcast. Yeah. Say all the words that we're not allowed For to say.
1: You, you've been on a radio show a few times and we can say anything there, but the, I always forget to ask before a, a recorded podcast, where's this going? Do I need yes. to use code yeah. words?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I kind of like ruffling YouTube's feathers. So there you we'll, go. Okay. we'll see how we go. But yeah, Sharon, it's, it's well, great to have- the
1: And their name in the first sentence. So the algorithms are definitely going to be after you.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You know what? I wear it as a badge of honor at this point.
1: Okay. (laughs) Uh, I
0: I, I think we should own it. If the big tech oligarchs that have zero moral compass uh, are not fond of me, I I will consider that as a badge of honor. Um, Those those are the right people to be ruffling their feathers. So, Sharon, it's great to have you here, and it's really cool to hear your story. One thing I would love to uh, provide the listeners, and I'd love for you to actually be able to share this, so many of my listeners, in fact, most are not actually from uh, from Southern California or California at all. Most of my listeners are from around the country and as well, uh, the world at large. And so if you could just give a little bit of a background on what are we facing here in California? I think it's really important that people understand the types of tyrannical moves that were made on behalf of the government that led to movements like yours um, rising up. So what what's kind of the political landscape in California? Talk about the masking, talk about the vaccines. Like what, what has led you guys to become a relevant force here in Southern California?
1: Yeah. So uh, California was 50th out of 50 as far as school reopening. They were the very, you know, bottom of the barrel, uh, last in the, the nation to do what was right for our kids. And they never did it voluntarily. It took a lawsuit. Um, and and so that's in that lawsuit, we argued that the state's uh, restrictions that were keeping school closed were arbitrary. They would just randomly change the amount of social distancing or throw out these tiers and say, well, uh, you can go ahead and and open on this tier, but then, oh, wait, wait, if you weren't open enough when we moved to this tier, then you can. And, you know, it was just this, these Candyland metrics that didn't make sense. And and so the judge ruled in our favor. And, and also our other argument was that kids have a right to an in-person education. And although, you know, that's not precisely spelled out in the, the Constitution, um, you know, of the United States, it, it is in uh, the California state constitution. I, I would assume there's probably many state constitutions that that have some specifics on education. Then, of course, there's our, our California Education Code. And and they were just violating, um, you know, their, their own laws, their own codes and constitution uh, by keeping our kids from an in-person education. Uh, and so that's kind of what we're it's very similar now with, with masking. Uh, There's very few States in the country that uh, have as restrictive of mask mandates um, as California has in place over the past uh, several months. They've just done absolutely ridiculous things like keep a statewide mask mandate in place far beyond, you know, what was being done in the rest of the country, then lift that mask mandate for adults, but say that they're going to keep the masks on the kids in school um you know even the the osha rules uh, which are still far too restrictive are less restrictive than the rules um for when when students are actually interacting with with staff at school um and so you know it's obviously at this point we're never going to get to covid 0 uh we have to be able to learn how to 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 function you know this virus is here unfortunately but the the good thing is that our kids are very resilient to the virus and so we're seeing other places in the country take a much more common sense approach. Uh, But again, California, is not willing to do that uh, unless they, you know, it's take, they're taken to task in court. Uh, and we've actually partnered with a, an international coalition. They've just launched an international petition. We'll be putting that up on our website at letthembreathe.net. Uh, but uh, we have partners in Spain, Italy, France, Germany, uh, there may have been uh, the UK, there may have been some others that have joined by now, um, but all advocating for, you know, kids' rights during this time, because I think that probably you have some listeners that um, what's happening in California may sound outrageous, and then you may have some listeners that what's going on where they are is even more restrictive. You know, we're we're watching what's happening in Australia, and it's just horrific. Uh, and and one of the the points that's made in this petition is that in crises, uh, children are always the ones that are are treat, you know are more unfairly disadvantaged. It, it disproportionately affects kids because they, a lot of them, they just, they don't have a voice, especially if they're really young and, and they're still developing. They're, they're much more vulnerable. So, um, you know, and, and then of course, with the vaccine mandate, uh, we are seeing that here in California, uh, we're, we're the first state to have a, a statewide COVID-19 vaccine mandate for students that's already been announced. Uh, It has not gone into effect yet, but we are also the the state that has the the first ones that are actually going into effect, and those are specific school districts that have put those forward, and uh, they are actually not even acknowledging or or allowing for the the, the exemptions that are provided for under state law. And so we have sued uh, San Diego Unified School District, and the same law firm we're working with has also sued LA Unified School District. And so I think really the whole country is is looking at those lawsuits, uh, because out of the whole country, these are the, the some of the first school districts to say they're planning to completely exclude any child uh, that does not get this very new vaccine for this virus that is, you know, Kids are at very low risk from, from their in-person education, even though the adults have had that opportunity to get vaccinated. Uh, so it's it's really government overreach. And I think that um, what happens here is going to have a big impact on the rest of the country.
0: Yeah, my goodness. I, I, I'm glad you touched on that because my next question was literally going to be, why should the rest of the country <laughs> care? And- I talk about this a lot on the show and anybody who's listened to this, you know, for the last year and a half knows that I am a firm believer that so goes California, so goes the nation. And so we have listeners in Florida that are living in paradise right now and God bless you all. Make America Florida. That's my my desire for all upcoming elections. Um but I I I really caution people to not fall asleep at the wheel. Don't become apathetic because what is happening here in California can just as easily happen happen where you live regardless of where you are in this country. And just like you pointed out, Sharon, California is not even the worst. I mean, Australia is literally a prison right now. Um, I was talking to someone last week who just made it to the United States from Australia just before COVID and is still in contact with his family. He can't go back and he's struggling. And, and what they're doing to kids there is horrid. And, you know, like you mentioned, for a virus, by the way, that they have zero chance of dying from. I mean, really, we, we can basically call it that. It's it's so minuscule. It's hard to even fathom as a number, um, the 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 that low of chances that they have of dying from this virus or getting seriously ill. So I really appreciate you standing up for common sense because I see common sense has just completely left the conversation. And I'd love to ask Sharon. Um, common sense would suggest that what California is doing right now is utter insanity. Why do you think they're doing it? If if you had to if you had to give a diagnosis to the influence that our government is under in California. Why do you think they're pursuing a solution? And I'm using air quotes for those that are listening on the air and not watching the video because it's not a solution. But why are they pursuing these measures at the end of the day?
1: I mean, there's a lot of reasons. I I think the biggest one is because they can. Uh, We know that government is going to overreach if they are allowed to, that is just, that is the default. That's why um, we have the constitution. That's why we have the bill of rights. And and so uh, that is the default for government. And so what we have seen is some of the things that are happening are so illegal, they're so egregious that they have to just be counting on parents not coming together and suing them. Uh, and 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 that's that's all that I can figure because it does. It it not only takes a lot of funding uh to wage an effective legal battle through the judicial system, but it also uh it takes a lot of tenacity. Uh we had a hearing and we were denied our the emergency relief. We knew that was a possibility because although we know our kids are in emergency um because of these mask mandates uh, they have been going on for quite some time. So it's harder to prove that there is an emergency. So the longer we let these things go, by the way, the harder it is to rectify things legally. Um, But uh, so the, you know, oh, well, it's just this. And then they'll give us, you know, our rights back. No, that's not how it works. Um, But now we're going to have our full hearing and, and we're very confident that the law and the science are on our side, but I know it's been difficult for a lot of parents to weather that, uh, you know, and, and to, uh, keep holding on to hope. And even if we weren't to get a favorable ruling there, we're not going to give up. Uh, We can appeal, we can take it to the federal courts. And, And I know that there are people that feel like, well, the courts are, are bought and paid for as well. But we have seen substantial legal decisions that have made a difference. We, we saw also just when when lawsuits are even filed, that can make a difference. We, we saw that with Southwest. And so I think it's really the point you made is really important. I tell uh, I tell people uh, if they don't support us from around the country, if they don't, keep an eye on what's going on. This is coming to a state near you soon. Uh, I had friends that moved to Tennessee and would tell me, hey, they're they're calling from the free state of Tennessee, and it's beginning to not feel so free there. And uh, I went home for Christmas last year to Indiana and was, was shocked that there were areas, rural areas, people are very spread out. Uh, they're their viewpoints are probably very similar to me, but that we're just—they were saying, "Well, we're just masking up because it's just easier. It'll be over soon." And and now I'm hearing from those same people, "Oh, wait, how did this happen?" Well, it was that it'll be over soon mentality. That's how it happened. Um, so it's it's really important to stand for your rights, but also to to do it in the way that will be effective. Um, we encourage people if you're going to speak at a school board meeting. Don't chew your school board members out. You know, try to partner with them, and then if they don't listen, then start. You know, start your own campaign to run in the next general election for school board. Uh, If if you feel your rights are being trampled on, then support the Legal Fund and uh, reach out to us. We an important part of our lawsuits is documenting the harms that are being done to students. We just heard from the uh, American Academy of Pediatrics that our children are in a mental health crisis, and all the parents went. Thank you for acknowledging what we've been saying all along. This is not news. Just thank you that you're actually catching up to the fact. Uh, but and we just heard the National School Board Association issue an apology, not to parents as they should have, but to yeah. other school boards. So as these agencies come out and say the things, uh, you know, apologize, say oops, uh well, the damage has already been done. And what we're trying to say is they're not fallible. So the the parents need to be making the decision. The, the kids need to be involved in the decision-making process. Uh, this isn't something that should just be taken out of our hands because that's what government loves to do. And, you know, on a final note on that, we all know that, well... In here in California, we all know. Maybe maybe around the country, it's not as well known. But the California Teachers Association is is either the top donor to to Governor Newsom, or, or you know, top three. They're up there, and so obviously, there's a lot of money at play here. There's a lot of politics at play here. It's clearly not about what's best for our kiddos. So
0: so well said. I sorry I think if i had a bit of a rant. No <laughs> no
1: no no. no. <laughs> my my
0: goodness, it, it was perfect. I, I I'm getting fired up as I'm hearing you talk because. I I think parents really need to catch that, that it, it relies upon us. The reason government is, I believe, even overplaying their hand because they're they're waking a lot of people up. I'm seeing mama bears come out of the woodwork that have never cared about politics, that are now going after it and are starting to get involved and consider running themselves. And that's that's really exciting. But the the way in which government was able to trample on our rights so easily over the past year and a half is that we we let them do it. They knew they could. And the, one of the most startling things for me as I was sort of doing a lot of research related to how these school board members that have so willingly and almost excitedly trampled upon parental rights over the last year, and I found that a shocking amount of these seats held by these school board members that are trampling on the rights of parents, that are that are really believing that parents shouldn't have much of a say at all in their kids' education, those seats were filled by people who ran unopposed. They had no competition. They joined these school boards with no fight. Nobody was standing against them. And, you know, I'm a conservative and and people know that this podcast is conservative. One thing we have to own as conservatives is that 20 years ago, we cared more about corporate tax cuts than we did about the making sure that the the indoctrination from the left of our kids was not going to happen. Um, and so while we were worried about big presidential politics and what was sensational and all these things. A lot of issues were important, but at the end of the day, the other side was genius. They said, "Let's go infect these school boards with Marxists who don't want the best for our kids." Have these school boards completely bought and held by teachers' unions that do not want the best for their kids? They want political power, and we're now seeing the effects of that. So while we could get hopeless about that, I'm filled with a fiery passion to say, "Okay, well, you know what? Now they're awake to the problem. Let's go run for school boards too. Let's make sure that no seat in the country." is filled by a person who does not care about our children, who is running unopposed. Let's put up challenges. And I think that one of the biggest takeaways that I've had from watching you Sharon, over the last year in your organization and what you guys have stood for it is just that it takes all of us. It takes buy-in from parents to say, we're not going to co-parent with the government. We deserve the say over the next generation. There are kids. How can we not get involved? And so I really appreciate too, that you highlighted the mental health issue. I mean, we, we are witnessing something right now that is is heartbreaking. And instead of allowing that to set off a red flag for us and revert course, we're seeing people faced with that information that our kids are in a mental health epidemic and yet still choose to enforce the same sorts of parameters that we know are not good for their mental health, meaning keeping their smiles away from other people's smiles all day long, eight hours a day, forcing them away from other kids, making them feel like they're disease vectors. I mean, it's heartbreaking. I want to ask you, Sharon, You mentioned a few different medical associations, mentioned the the teachers' unions. What do you think the effect is of our nation witnessing the corruption in some of these entities over the past year? What is the long-term effect of that? Because I think a lot of these organizations, we've just sort of blindly trusted over the past decade, and now we're seeing that, oh, maybe they didn't have all their ducks in a row like we thought, or they didn't have the best intentions, and that's a hard thing to witness. What do you think are the long-term effects of these major institutions in the United States just losing all of our trust?
1: Well, I think that I've definitely heard from parents that have said that they they never gave a second thought to getting their kids uh their, you know, the regular round of vaccines and now they're looking into, okay, you know, what what are these things our kids are being injected with? I'm I'm hearing again, parents obviously, that didn't know who their school board was, didn't know who their county board of supervisors was. And now not only do they know very well who each of them are and what they stand for, and they probably email them frequently, uh, they're thinking of <laughs> you know, running. Uh, we actually have a, a union, a paid and union employee representative on our school board. Um, and we have a local parent and attorney that is going to be running uh, to replace her in the next election. So um, I think that there's just a lot of people that are waking up that are, Wanting to get, I think it's very important to get knowledge first. That's why Public Square is is so important. Uh, because what I've also seen is some people just wake up and it's like, I, I mean, I I hate to, <laughs> this might not be a good analogy, but I've had friends and and even family members that have gone through you know a coma or, or a you know a traumatic brain injury, and and kind of when you wake up, it's this like. Really difficult time of like, oh my goodness, what is going on? You don't know exactly what you're seeing or hearing or how to process it. And so I think. That, you know, may, might be too intensive an analogy, but maybe that's kind of an analogy for how some people are, are feeling. They've just woken up and they don't know how to process it and it's difficult emotionally. Um, and, and I know for myself, I think there were some things that I was aware of. There were some things that over the past two years I've I've become more aware of. Uh, but it's, it's really important to get plugged in, to, to have a support system, to get plugged in with the groups and the organizations and the people. That have already been advocating, um, so that you can learn and figure out. Oh, okay, now I'm awake. What's going on? Uh, what What are the positive things instead of just kind of waking up and like, oh my goodness, I'm so upset. <laughs> you know, um, what are the positive ways that that people can advocate, uh, and then also not reinventing the wheel because we're also seeing people waking up and and then it's like they just jump in full force for a week or two. And then they're like, Oh, I give up and I'm exhausted. Well, that's because they tried to reinvent the wheel and and we don't want anyone to feel like they're out there um, advocating alone. There's, there's so many, um, you know, groups like let them breathe and let them choose public square. has So much great information to share that they can get plugged in. And I hope that people, Feel less alone now and after this because you know their concerns are validated. Um, and I another thing that has been really great is that I mean obviously there's now a lot of questioning of social media and and becoming aware oh what I'm seeing on the news might not be the whole story. Um, and 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 platforms like Public Square coming in to offer a much better space to function in. So that's, you know, there's there's going to be some really great positives that come out of this time, even though it stinks to go through it. And, and then another awesome thing is just you really see people's true colors. And they're although, you know, now there's moms that when they go to a doctor's appointment, they have a lot more questions to ask. And uh, however, there's also physicians that were awesome physicians doing amazing things that nobody knew about, and, and until this time, and they've been able to speak up. And uh, for instance, in our lawsuit, we have a psychiatrist that put forward a declaration on on you know, not just that masks are not effective, but how exact detailing those emotional, mental, social, developmental harms. And then um, uh, Dr. Gandhi is, is one of the doctors that has been speaking out a lot during this time. And and she's a mainstream medical doctor. She takes a very balanced approach. Um, but what is so interesting, I believe is the San Francisco Chronicle just did a really amazing piece on her. I'll, I'll get you the link, but uh, she... Is a doctor that works with HIV/AIDS patients, and so she is. I think she would be called an epidemiologist. She's, you know, she she works with people that are are suffering from, you know, epidemics of diseases, and she her whole um, approach with HIV patients has been that idea of, of you know do no harm, and and that the the treatment shouldn't be worse than um you know what they're suffering from and and even though there is a a disease or a virus that is part of our world and it is not going away people still need to be able to live their lives and and so this this article that was done on her was just so amazing detailing you know this population that she works with that she's worked so hard to make sure they are included in life and they get to keep living their lives even though they're dealing with um an illness how when COVID came around, it, it shut a lot of that down. And it, 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 you know what I was hearing in this article about how it affected HIV patients. I'm I'm seeing you know those same things with with kiddos that you know are kept home from school, and they're you know the 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 treatment and the the protocol was was in worse for them than the disease is for them. And so I think that's you know. I'm really thankful for her voice in how to how to navigate this time and understand, yes, it's a serious virus. Yes, um, it it can be there are people that are at higher risk than others. And and we need to have empathy. We need to have concern for what's going on. But we need to make sure that people can keep living their lives. Um, And I think it's important to know that when there's doctors uh, speaking up like that, they didn't come out of a vacuum. They've done amazing work in the real world. And we need to be listening to them just as much or more as someone who has, you know, is is speaking up loudly on, you know, every single child should get the jab and, you know, oh, no, it's, it's fine to cover up smiles. because um, just common sense says like, the, the reason I know you're not mad at me is because, you know, your face looks happy, smiling. <laughs> you know, yes. I know you're my friend. Yes. I, I know the world is going to be okay because we're affirming each other in that way.
0: Yeah, yeah. So well said. I, I, I want to go back to that doctor's point. I mean, I, I've I've been amazed at the courage of some of the doctors that have been willing to, and medical professionals in general. I mean, we're seeing a lot of nurses do this as well that are willing to go against sort of the the establishment talking points um, and say, guys, I. I don't know if I agree with this. You know, I I see this a little differently. I think we shouldn't be pushing this so hard. I think there are some serious risks here, not only uh, due to the lack of long-term testing of, of these vaccinations, but also the effect of the mental health on some of these uh, children that are are really struggling in this, these developmental years. Those doctors and medical professionals that are willing to stand out, they have nothing to gain and everything to lose. And so when I talk to people and they're like, well, I just, you know, I believe this because the CDC said so, or I just believe this because I heard it on CNN, which, by the way, don't watch CNN. Everybody just turn off CNN, turn off cable news in general. Honestly, Um, there's amazing independent journalists out there. Go support them because they're going to tell you the truth and don't have corporate interest buying them out. But when I see these medical professionals willing to speak the truth when they have nothing to gain and everything to lose. They do it because they care about the health and the well-being of our entire populace, but also especially the next generation. Those are the people that really pique my attention. My radar goes up and I start paying attention because there's no money buying them out. A retired medical professional with 30 years experience who has been trusted his, his or her entire life, who's now speaking out, doesn't have a, a vaccine manufacturer, that's sort of pulling the strings on their messaging like we know Congress does and like we know the CDC does as well as we're seeing the overlap of ex-executives at these different companies that are also partnered with the CDC. And yet people have a, a higher willingness, it seems like, to listen to the CDC and the CNNs of the world rather than they do these doctors that have, again, everything to lose and very little to gain. And so I I hope as well that people um, will pursue listening to these medical professionals who don't have a dog in the hunt, because there's a higher likelihood that just, that they're for you. There's a, there's a reason they're doing this. And I hope and pray that more people will, one of the effects of losing trust in these institutions, I hope and pray that people will look more toward independent journalists, look to those medical professionals that are willing to ask questions that you're wanting to ask and, and try to, try to have a really balanced approach and don't just so willingly turn on the TV and listen to what's being spewed because though they may be medical professionals on the TV as well, like what happened to getting multiple opinions? And science is not just this, well, done deal. We said it, here it is, no testing, you can't question it. That's not science, that's propaganda. Science is, okay, there's one opinion. Let's go hear from an equally credentialed person, their opinion, let's have those two, and then let's do our own research. Uh, Of course, the New York Times came out last week and said that the four most dangerous words in the fight against coronavirus are do your own research. So obviously we know where mainstream media stands on this. But my point is, I hope and pray that just like you said, people are awakening to what's really happening and will go out and will pursue harder than they ever have after the truth on behalf and for the next generation. So Sharon, I, I want to hear, you You deal with a lot of pushback. Um, anytime you're standing for truth, you're bound to gain a few enemies. And I've been really impressed by how you've handled it. I think it'd be easy for a lot of people to crumble under the pressure or to really wear that on your shoulders and feel like, man, I, you know, all I've seen people that have allowed the hate to stop them in their tracks and kind of pull them from their mission. And you've done the very opposite. I mean, anytime you get pushback, you just keep smiling. And so tell us, like, how do you do that? How do you manage that?
1: Well, it, I mean, it's been, it's been difficult to navigate for sure. I, I think there, and there's all different versions of it, right? So, so what you were just bringing up about having a dialogue at, at the San Diego Unified uh, School Board meeting, where they said they were going to have an open discussion about uh, the vaccine mandate, they had no one from the other side medically. So that's not a discussion. They had over 1600 parents uh, in opposition. They only allowed, it was a very small amount. It was like less less than fifty for both sides, and um, apparently, I had had no issue making phone calls all day. But there was a technical difficulty, and they couldn't hear me. So th- there's times where you know sometimes voices are just silenced, and so then there was oh Sharon didn't even care enough to call into the meeting, um, you know, and 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 uh, so there's there's that aspect, and then of course there's the just outright. Um, you know, lies and ugliness that you're talking about. Uh, one thing that I I welcome is if, if someone wants to bring up, you know, hey, here's, here's the other side and, and, and what's your response to that? I, I would love an opportunity to respond to that. Uh, one of the things that was brought up a lot you know, what the asking is, well, don't you even I, I got on one live interview uh, with a station L- in L.A. And and it was a lengthy one. And at the very first question, there was no warm up. It was don't you even care, you know, about, uh, the, you know, the dangers of the virus and, da, 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 and I'm like, I absolutely care. I'm very concerned about the dangers and the thing that's most dangerous to our children you know, the deadly pandemic to the youth right now is the mental health crisis and a, a mental health disorder that is beginning because of these restrictions or getting out of control is, is much more dangerous to a young person than, than COVID actually is. And if we didn't say anything bad by now, that's, that's going to be the last straw for the, the algorithms to pull us down. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it's true. Right. Um, and so, uh, but then I think, I think the thing that, um is the most difficult to deal with is the the cutting and the splicing and the the sneaky i'm still learning like every time i think i have figured out all the sneaky things <laughs> that are being done i find out a new one um, and so for instance there was just a an npr piece that went up recently that they reached out and they said hey we want to just hear about your organization Okay. And they gave me specific questions and, and okay, it's just, you know, background here, this is who we are. But then the piece was extremely focused on something very specific that some other individuals choices that aren't affiliated with us. And they ran it because journalistically they're, you know, probably in their mind thought like, Oh, we gave Sharon an opportunity to tell the other side. No, if a, if a news organization is, is, you know, making claims, and they don't tell you what those claims are, then they haven't given you the opportunity uh, to make a statement. And so, you know, there's, there's all kinds of the things that are that are being done. There's, there's lines that, you know, correlations that are drawn or, or things that are just flat out, you know, uh, you may say a sentence, and then it gets, I, I've now learned when I speak to the media to say, if you're going to pull a soundbite, at least leave sentences intact. You know, if you if you take a sentence and you cut that in half, it's it's no longer what you said anymore. And so um I, I think that those are all the things just kind of learning how to navigate them and, and there's some of them that it's just like, okay, if if people aren't, you know, playing fair, they don't want the truth out there, um, you know, they're they're unethical. That's you know it's it's going to eventually come back to 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 show their true colors. I think the National School Board Association letter and then their apology is a good example of that. Um, But I think what keeps me going and and doesn't like let it ruffle my feathers at all is that I know that um, if we're getting a lot of pushback, it means we are exactly uh, on the right track. And and I have seen the the ugliness and the hate, the outright threats escalate exponentially since we launched the Let Them Choose initiative. And that just lets me know what I knew all along, which is this is what it's all really about, is completely taking away our freedom by mandating, you know, this injection. Um, and so, and again, we're not anti-anything. Somebody wants to get it, all for it. You know, that is that is their personal medical decision. Um, but we are 100% pro-choice on these, on these issues. Um, so, that's what keeps me going is. And and then just, you know, people like you, uh, organizations like public square, knowing we're not, we're not alone in this. And if we keep telling the truth um, I I do believe my husband and I have always had this little term, we call it W three. We will win. And I do believe that, um, that, that the, you know, right and truth and um, goodness will, will win in the end.
0: Yeah, Couldn't agree more. We we're hopeful. That's why we're fighting. Yes. If we had no hope we wouldn't be standing.
1: Yeah. I'm just watch so, TV and Yeah. Curious. Yeah,
0: exactly. We'd check out and yeah. that'd be that. And yeah. I so I, I think if you're listening to this or if you're watching this right now and you feel fired up, you feel passionate about ensuring that the next generation is approached with common sense and reason and is not sacrificed on the altar of our politics if you're passionate about that it means you're still hopeful because if you weren't passionate if you listened to this and it was just like eh, whatever mm-hmm. you know I, i'd really encourage you that you need a little bit more hope in your life but if if you're fired up it means that you still see potential that there's something there worth fighting for that you actually see that there's there's a cause that's drawing you in here there's maybe a call that you need to answer to there's a part of the the puzzle that you need to be fitting and so Um, I I think that, Sharon, one of the coolest things about what you guys have done with Let Them Breathe and Let Them Choose is just inspire people. Sharon, I want to ask you one more question. Uh, In the vein of hope, I love to end our episodes uh, with a hopeful message. What is one of the best stories you've heard from (laughs) the activism you've taken part in and you've led? What's one of the best stories that you've heard, whether that's from a parent or a student, uh, somebody that's been affected by your movement positively?
1: Oh goodness! <laughs> There's probably a lot, so that was there probably an unfair question. There are a lot, and I think that's what is is so special, you know, about let them breathe is that we are, we have a smiley face as our motto, as our mascot. You know, we're we're really about that positive advocacy, and and so I mean, the probably the thing that comes to mind are, are a couple things that happened recently, um, but but first I'll say just every time somebody. Um, not to get emotional here, but uh, emails or, or uh, you know contacts me and says like that they just were about to give up hope, and they um, they found us, you know, or their their child's been suffering behind a mask, but they we were able to help them, you know, get connected with someone to get a medical exemption, or you know what that they were, they were just going to go ahead and, and, you know, comply, but, but then they saw we filed a lawsuit. So now they're waiting to see what happens there. You know, those are just, they happen every day and they're, they're so encouraging, but just, um, uh, just, uh, this, Monday. Yeah, Monday. So uh, there's there's been kind of this, this organic movement of no mask Monday, no mandate Monday. And there was a group of about 46 students at Ponderosa High School in El Dorado County. And they all went to school and they took off their masks and they um, shared their smiles. <laughs> and the, it was just amazing. And it was a very large amount of kids in one area. Cause we have seen this, you know, kids throughout the state, you know, one here, a couple here. Uh, the the sad part is that they were actually put into two classrooms um, and not given any live instruction during the day. Uh, but one of them took a video, we put it up on our Instagram and our Twitter and uh, it was shocking. It was so shocking to see a classroom full of high school students doing what high school students have done forever, which is sit in class, sharing their smiles and talking, you know, uh, and being kids, that this now has over 100,000 views on Twitter and is, um, you know, rapidly uh, picking up pace. That night, uh, Fox uh, National featured these kiddos and, and our tweet. Uh, Because just sharing smiles has become such an incredibly revolutionary act (laughs) that six seconds of sharing smiles inside of a a school, you know, made national news. But I have been in contact with those kids and the parents, and they are awesome. I I have audio of kids speaking to administrators um, so respectfully, so kindly, but standing up for their right to smile their right to an in-person education. And we're gonna be legally backing those kids up. We're sending a legal letter today to the administration letting them know they can't exclude these kids from their in-person education. And we have seen this just growing to where there's gonna be kids uh, and possibly even teachers. There were teachers at that school that also took part all over the state and all over the country taking uh, part in No Mask Monday, uh, No Mandate Monday, this Monday, November 1st. Um, and so we're encouraging anybody that, that does that to please email uh, any photos, video to admin at letthembreathe.net so we can help share their smiles. Um, but that's probably the most encouraging special thing. And just to hear from the parents and the kids like how much that meant to them for everybody to just come together and, and stand for their rights in that peaceful way, um, but but do it positively through smiles.
0: Yeah, it, I was inspired by those 46. It was really fun to watch that video. And in fact, uh, for anybody who's listening or watching this, I will actually have a link to that video in the show notes because I think oh. everyone needs to see this. And all it takes is a few. It takes a handful that are willing to say, I'll inconvenience myself to show my smile because I believe it's that important. And then five more join and 10 more join and 30 more join. And then it becomes five schools and then 10 schools. And all of a sudden overnight, just like you referenced with Southwest earlier, you see actual structural policy change take place because enough people said, we ain't having this. Our smiles are too important. Our choice is too important. And and so it, that-
1: This is a civil rights movement. And, and it will it be is. In, the, in the history books as that later on. But guess what? Every civil rights movement uh, to date was misunderstood. It was, uh, misaligned, uh, you know, they were held down that that's, um, and, and so this is the way that you make progress there is, is peacefully. Um, and, but at the same time, yes, people have to join in because we amplify each other's, if people, if they're not listening, we amplify each other's voices and our messages when we come together peacefully.
0: Fantastic. Sharon. Yeah, and you guys have done a really, really good job of that. You're calculated, you're balanced. You know, I, I'm a Christian. Uh, my listeners know that, and I value the scriptures. They are where truth is found, and I, I believe that full heartedly. Um, and there's there's a section of scripture that that describes how we are to engage in activism. Cunning as a serpent and gentle as a dove. We are to be we are to be smart, reasonable, calculated in our approach, but give everything to this cause. Anyways, Sharon, I'm, I'm really appreciative. I'd love to just close this with understanding where can people get in touch with you? How can they follow along with Let Them Breathe, Let Them Choose? How can they track with the lawsuit? Give us the information we need to know.
1: Awesome. And for first of all, mic drop. That was so well said. <laughs> I love oh, it. Thank you. Um, yeah. So letthembreathe.net has all the info. We will be launching letthemchoose.org soon. But for now, they can just go to letthembreathe.net. All our social media is linked there. There is a tab for let them choose. Uh, There's a tab for our lawsuit under both of those. They can also find the legal funds to help support. Uh, And then obviously the join us button is super important because that's our newsletter. And so, uh, you know, we've seen lots of censorship uh, with social media. So just make sure to join the newsletter. And then upcoming, you know, on Monday, we would love for everyone to peacefully share their smile, November 1st. And then on November 15th, uh, find the field trip or rally near you. There's going to be a large peaceful rally uh, at the Capitol in Sacramento. And there is going to be a field trip at Balboa Park in San Diego. Uh, Public Square will be there, 8 to 11. uh, And there will be a couple more throughout the state. And for anyone who's not, you know, in the state, uh, if you're around the nation, around the world, please share videos. Uh, just do what you can to either join in uh, yourself or or share the efforts um, here in California. Oh, awesome. and also we have a radio show, so that is linked yeah. As well, uh, and and you're on there a couple times, so um, everybody should check that out.
0: Awesome, Sharon. <laughs> thank you. I I uh, friends, I want to encourage you that. There are thousands of people listening to this and if each of you invite even a few friends into this journey with you mm-hmm. if if you say look I've never really engaged in activism like this before ask a few friends to lock arms with you go to a school board rally look at let for all these valuable resources get engaged with the movement one of the things that Sharon does best and their organizations do best is help you onboard into the experience of standing for freedom for our next generation so Um, get engaged with those resources, find a few people. All of a sudden, the movement will grow to tens and hundreds of thousands and millions of people across the country to the point where the people in power well understand that we are going to prioritize the next generation and this liberty that we believe they deserve more than anything and led by awesome people like Sharon McKeeman, her great family and organizations like Let Them Breathe and Let Them Choose. So Sharon, it has been an absolute blast, an honor to have you on the show today. I really appreciate you spending time with us.
1: Thanks so much. It's been it's been great as always,
0: friends. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Refining Politics and Culture with Michael Seifert.